0: From understanding a global economic crisis to
1: crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina ahmed Haq Welcome to a new episode of For What It's Worth. I am your host, Rabina Ahmed-Hawk. We are in the thick of it right now. Holiday shopping is in full swing. Just this morning, I made a list of all the little itty bitty things that I still have to do. And I got to say that list continues to get longer. Even me, I find you know, I think I'm a pretty organized person. I'm always thinking ahead as to the things I have to buy and things I need to do. But, you know, no matter how how organized you are, there's always things that come up uh, that you didn't anticipate or you just simply forgot about. And I know for me, a lot of my issues is making sure I balance the gifts between my two children perfectly. So neither of them feel like one was favored over the other. I know these are first world problems. But it's absolutely an anxiety of mine that I don't want Christmas Day to be a day of argument as to who got more than the other. Now, maybe this is a bigger our conversation I have to have with my kids about respecting their parents and about, you know, really respecting what they actually got, you know, appreciating what they got that's a different story. This is my anxiety today. Now, when we are shopping during the holidays, uh, there's always people that we don't know what to get for, we don't know what to to, to buy them. Uh, You know, it could be a coworker, it could be someone we don't know very well. We don't know their size. We don't know what their likes and dislikes are. So we think of getting them a gift card, right? Gift cards are uh, more popular now than they've ever been. They're easier to access now too. It used to be that, you have to go to that specific store to buy the gift card. And then that was the only way to achieve it. But now you can buy them online, you can buy them at most corner stores or drug stores, they all have those big racks full of gift cards that you can buy. Now with that kind of access comes access to more scams as well. There are a number of gift card scams that are going on right now that you need to know about before you buy a gift card. The most Recent one is scammers are actually taking the gift cards off of those gift card display cases, taking them home, cutting out the part where you scratch off and get the pin code and all that other good information, gluing them back together. Now, these are gift cards that are inside the branded cardboard. So say it's Amazon, as an example, the card is inside a branded envelope that has that logo on it. So you don't know what the card looks like until you get home. And so they're taking uh, they're taking that information. As soon as you load that card up, it's actually they, them that are able to access it because they've got the pin code and all that different information. So you scan it and they have the information immediately that it has been loaded up because they're watching that And they take the money before you're even able to get home and open it. Another scam that a lot of thieves are doing is that they're taking those cards home and they are actually uh, photographing or even in the store photographing all of the information that's on the card. So when you buy it, they know that it's been loaded and then they take the money before you even get a chance. Another way that they're scamming is by putting a fake barcode on. So you think you're loading up a, you know, a gift card for Apple, iTunes or something. And really you're loading up a gas card for somewhere across the world. And they're able to then access that cash right away. So if you're buying a gift card, here's what you need to do. Make sure it hasn't been tampered with. Make sure you get a receipt and a gift receipt to keep with that gift card. And if you are giving it to somebody, buy it as close to the date that you will give it to them and ask them to use it right away. That is the best way to protect yourself. But from my perspective, because of all these scams that have been going on, give them cash. You don't know what to get them. Say, here's 50 bucks. I love you. Go buy something you need. We have a fantastic show coming up. After the break, we're going to talk about the new Canadian dental care plan. Who qualifies? What does it cover? And later in the show, we'll have our very own Craig Lord on the author of Homeschool uh, to talk about what you can do if the bank and mom and dad is not available for your first home purchase. I'm Rabina Ahmed-Hawk. This is For What It's Worth.
0: You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed-Hawk.
1: government has released the details of the new canadian dental care plan now this will extend dental benefits to canadians who don't have access to insurance and who also meet income thresholds now do you qualify to talk about this and to find out if you do we are joined by yannick Lemay. he is a tax specialist with h and r blog hi yannick welcome to the program
2: hi good afternoon
1: Good afternoon. Uh, Tell me, the the Canadian Dental Care Plan, who exactly would qualify uh, for this benefit?
2: Yes, and you mentioned it right. So the current name is Canadian Dental Care Plan. And it's a different one from the one that we heard before that was called Canada Dental Benefit. So the Canada Dental Benefit that already exists as of today is for children under the age of 12. And this program will go on until June 30th of 2024, so for six more months. And then the new program, so the Canadian Dental Care Plan, this one is for Canadians of all ages, if you, do, if you qualify based on your income, if you're a Canadian resident. And also the last criteria is that you must have filed a tax return for the, pre, uh, the previous tax year. So in order to qualify in 2024, you must file your 2023 taxes um, this, uh, this spring.
1: And I mean, and this is true for any benefit, uh, whether it be the the Canadian Dental Care Plan or uh, GIC or the Canada Child Benefit, that if you don't file your taxes, that the, the government is unable to really understand how much benefit you qualify for, and that can uh, result in those benefits being uh, delayed. Now, this specific benefit um, has an income threshold. Could you tell me about what that income threshold is uh, up until what A point would someone be able to take advantage of this?
2: Yes, of course. We're talking about the net family income. So that means uh, your your income and the income of your spouse combined. And we're talking about the net income. So this is after, for example, our speed contributions. That threshold is of a maximum of $90,000. uh, to qualify and um if you if you have a combined family income of less than $70,000 then you get most of the, you get the most of the benefit because you get to um you get 100% coverage of your dental care um if you do not exceed that $70,000 threshold
1: so this is really aimed at lower income Canadians. Uh, you know, many people don't have a dental insurance because they are self-employed, sole proprietors, they are in, you know, a contract situations. So this is not something that anybody who doesn't have dental insurance would qualify for.
2: That's correct because if you do have dental coverage with your health insurance already, would it be a uh, private insurance that you pay, or would it be an insurance with your employer, with your spouse? You do not. Uh, you are not eligible for this uh, for the uh, for this uh, dental plan by the government. And for this reason, the government has added a new box on the T4 slip that you will receive from your employer starting in 2023. And that box is box 45. So you will see a code there on your T4, and that will indicate to the government if you are, um, if you have dental care coverage with your employer insurance.
1: Now, you know, you're reiterating the importance of filing your tax return uh, if you want to take advantage of this. When does this benefit uh, kick in? It's not something that's happening right away. It's going to, like you mentioned, it's, it's something that's really, really dependent on you filing your 2023 return in April.
2: There are so, so, so many reasons why you should file your tax return. And this is one Uh, One additional reason, so this new dental care plan, Um, this dental care plan, uh, the applications will start uh, as soon as December 2023, so in the coming weeks, Um, but the applications begin depending on your age, so we're starting with the seniors of 87 years and older, starting in December 2023, then uh, for every month in 2024 up to June 2024, um, we will open the the applications to Canadians, depending on their age. So for example, for January, it will be seniors age between 77 and 86 years of age, and then all remaining Canadian residents. So um, this will be in 2025. So starting in 2025, everyone of every ages will be eligible if you do respect the income threshold.
1: And families should also recognize that this doesn't include everything that you would get done at the dentist because there are some uh, procedures that will not be covered. Could you detail uh, what this benefit will cover for those families who do qualify for it?
2: So uh, I'm not a dentist expert, but from what I understand is that most uh, most health services are covered by this dental plan. So we're not we're not including any aesthetic, uh, for example, um, procedures. But we are including uh, restorative services. Uh, We're including X-rays, examinations. We're including uh, cleaning services. uh, prostodontic, so a complete and partial removal of dentures, for example, is also included. Um, because sometimes the 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 line is very thin between what is aesthetic and what is um, health based, right, when it comes to to your teeth. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, so so a lot of services though are covered in under this plan.
1: Yeah. And I think that's true also for healthcare that sometimes, you know, some of those lines can be a bit blurry. Uh, some things that, for example, your universal healthcare will cover, uh, would be considered plastic surgery, but it's because, you know, mm-hmm. you had an accident and it's considered reconstructive, whereas you couldn't go mm-hmm. in and say, I don't like the way my nose looks. So could I have, it, you know, could I get my nose changed? Mm-hmm. And that's true for things like teeth whitening or others, uh, other, um, uh, procedures that you may get done that are simply based on you wanting to improve the look mm-hmm. of your teeth, right? Rather than something that's necessary, like you said, polishing and fluoride and x-rays, things that actually are preventative and help you have a healthier mouth, uh, overall healthier um, uh, well-being. Um, the, this benefit will roll out in, uh, in, in the new year and into uh, 2025, but not everybody can apply right away. Uh, can you tell me who will qualify in the beginning for this benefit and, 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 uh, and, uh, and then what will happen later on?
2: Yes, so starting in December, starting in 2023, so in the coming weeks, we're talking about seniors of 87 years of age and older. And in January 2024, it will be seniors between 77 and 86 years of age. Then in February 2024, it's seniors between 72 and 76 years of age and so on until, until June 2024. Um, the government will send letters to potential uh, potentially I- eligible seniors to, uh, to give them additional instructions on how to apply and with a phone number also that they can call to, to apply. So this is starting right now. So seniors will start receiving those letters um, um, until June 2024. Yeah.
1: So that's where they would they would receive either would they receive it through their my account on the CRA my account, or how would they know as to when they should apply?
2: So they will receive a letter. So it's a letter that will be sent in the mail based on the, uh, the mailing address that CRE has on their file. Um, and then they will, all, and once they have applied, then they will receive a welcome package. And this is true for everyone, uh, no matter their age, they will receive a welcome package from Sunlight because the government has partnered with Sunlight for this new program. That means also that when Canadians, um, Canadians would, will, uh, will not have to pay the dentist, they will only pay the difference that needs to to that they need to pay from their own pockets. So that means Sun Life will pay the dentist directly without um, without having uh, Canadians to pay um, to pay that portion that was eligible to the, the plan.
1: So this dental care plan, uh, Yannick, from what I'm reading yeah. is costing $13 billion. It's a $13 billion insurance plan. And they say, the federal government, that it's going to help 9 million Canadians who do not have uh, dental coverage or sufficient dental cover- insurance coverage uh, to get the care they need at the dentist's office. But changing gears a little bit away from this story, uh, we are just a few weeks away from the end of the year. Um, a lot of people not necessarily thinking about their taxes but would you have anything uh, that you would recommend that we should be doing uh, just to prepare for the end of the year that may benefit us in the new year from a tax perspective something we should do before the end of 2023?
2: Yes of course so organization is always the key right because you want to you want to get your taxes filed with every document every credit also that you're eligible to every deduction you're eligible to so if you do organize your documents in advance it will definitely help you make uh, making sure you, you do not forget anything for your taxes and also uh, with the holidays coming you might be you might uh, do some donations for example to charitable organizations so make sure that you keep those receipts Uh, sometimes organizations send the receipts by by email. So if you receive this receipt by email, make sure you put it with your tax documents to have it on hand when uh, when taxes come in February. what else? What else am I thinking?
1: Yeah, no, I know. And, and you know, yeah. there's a lot of things that people don't think about, like tax loss uh, selling, which I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people understand what that is. If you've got investments that are losing uh, money, uh, w- one way you can take advantage of that, which is hardly a way to say that you can take advantage of your, uh, your losing investments. But talk to me a little bit about if somebody is planning on selling investments that they've lost yeah. money on, how they can do that before the end of the year to, uh, to, yeah. to, to benefit them at tax return time.
2: Yes, so two things to be careful with that. So the first thing is that we're talking about investment accounts that are non registered, right? So this doesn't apply to your RSP or TFSA, for example, because those losses won't be deductible on your taxes. So, but then if you do have capital gains that you realized uh, in the past three years or that you have you know, that you realized this year, you might, as you, as you mentioned, you might want to sell um, stocks, for example, for which they lost value throughout the, the months. So if you have a, a loss on those stocks, you might want to, to sell the stocks and then you'll realize the loss. You'll be able to apply the loss either to this current year or to the past three years as well if you have capital gains for those years.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to point that out, that it's uh, non-registered accounts. It's, uh, it's investments mm. you have lost money on. So you might want to look back because mm. some people might say, oh, I've lost money in this year, mm. but it has to be from when you first bought that investment and you're selling it at a loss. And this is true, not okay. just for stocks and bonds, but also for things like real estate. Um, if you bought a uh, piece of real estate and now selling it at a loss, which some people are, uh, that you, you can also mm. um, uh, y- use that when you file your return uh, to, to, to recoup some of those uh, losses. Uh, is there anything that you do uh yannick before the end of the tax year just to get yourself ready for tax season because as soon as the holidays are over we're right into RRSP season and then we're right into tax season it feels a little bit heavy for a lot of individuals who may not feel very organized but you know as a tax specialist i'm sure you are much more organized than the average canadian is there something that you do just to take a little bit of that pressure off to make sure things go smoothly
2: uh, well, the first thing, uh, as I've mentioned, is always to make sure you have all your documents ready, because you will need those documents to file your taxes, right? So if you've paid uh, for education during the year, if you've paid for childcare services, if you contributed to your RSP. So all those tax slips, all those receipts, you need those for your tax return. That's one thing. But then when January comes, like in the first few weeks of January, now you know what is your income for the year, you know what deductions you have, you know, what credits you may have. So you're able to um, to estimate your taxes, right? You're able to, and we do that at HR blocks. So if you come in the office, we can tell you what will be the result of your taxes if you don't contribute, for example, to your RSP. But then this gives you time to make an additional contribution to your RSP before the end of February. So you have a few weeks there to think about it, to see what will be the difference. Maybe you'll save taxes on a higher bracket by contributing more to your RSP. So this is kind of planning that we can do in January.
1: Yannick, thank you so much uh, for talking to us, not only about the new Canadian dental care plan, uh, but also about ways that we can just be a little bit more tax smart uh, going into the new year and be that much more organized. Yes,
2: absolutely.
1: My pleasure. Yeah, that's Yannick Lemay. He is a tax specialist with H and R Block. When we come back, a lot of young people, first-time home buyers, rely on their parents, the bank of mom and dad, as we often like to call it, to buy that first piece of real estate. But what if you don't have the privilege of having someone help you out in that way? We have Craig Lord on next, our very own from Global News, author of the newsletter Homeschool, to talk about what we can do if we don't have that leg up from our parents when buying our first home. I'm Rabina Ahmed-Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.
0: You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed-Huck.
1: First-time homebuyers looking to get into the market may be getting some help from the bank of mom and dad. But many young people don't have that privilege. If you're hoping to buy a house on your own and you want to do it without relying on your parents, we're going to hear how that can be done. We are joined by our very own Craig Lord. He is the author of Homeschool and in our Global News family. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the program.
0: Hi, Rubina. Thanks for having me.
1: So Craig, you know, we hear these stories over and over again. I've seen this meme that was shared uh, on social media where a millennial goes to another person's house and they open up this beautiful house and they they say, watching your millennial ho- uh, friends buy their first home with the bank of mom and dad. So there, it definitely is something that is a sore spot for those who don't have that access. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how this is actually true. I mean, are there a lot of young people that are relying on their parents uh, to buy their first home?
0: Yeah, it seems to be uh, the bank of mom and dad is this financial institution that more and more young Canadians are are leaning on. But of course, not everyone has access to we we don't have exact stats for how prevalent the bank of mom and dad really is. But we do know a few things. Uh, Statistics Canada said uh, quite recently in a report that if your parents own a home you are more than twice as likely to be a homeowner yourself uh than someone who doesn't have you know generational wealth in the housing market Uh, CIBC as well said a couple years ago that the average gift uh, given to to home buyers is around eighty two thousand dollars as of twenty twenty one. That's up from just over fifty thousand dollars in twenty fifteen. So not only is this a, a regular occurrence, the the amount of these gifts, the amount that Canadians are relying on their parents or their grandparents, someone from the family, to actually fund that down payment to enter the housing market, that amount's going up. So it is increasingly a a, a place where people are are finding the need to tap, to leverage, to to break into what's been quite an unaffordable uh, housing market in recent years.
1: Now, that's not the reality for many Canadians, uh, especially uh, Canadians who are new to Canada, who are buying their first home, uh, along with trying to set up everything else in their lives uh, for the first time. Uh, what, 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 what are you saying for those individuals who are trying to do it without any support from, uh, from parents who have deep pockets to help them?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bleak, if I have to be honest. Uh, we can look at uh, National Bank of Canada data very recently out in, in November. Uh, if you were in Toronto, uh, the, the average household income that you're going to need to buy the representative home there is almost $250,000. And if you want to just buy, you know, uh, the average condo in Toronto, that's almost five years of saving for a down payment just for that condo, the most affordable way to break into Toronto's housing market market. The numbers are even more stark in Vancouver. Uh, I will say if you are willing to look outside the GTA in the Greater Vancouver area, there are pathways to home ownership that are a lot more accessible. Quebec City or Winnipeg, uh the the average income you're going to need is is actually under $100,000. And for Calgary, it's it's a uh, much much more reasonable, uh, still still difficult to save, but uh, you can usually get there with under 2 years of saving for a down payment in Calgary. Uh, even if your your income is is less than the median in that city, so uh, the the silver lining, I, I guess, is is once you look outside Toronto and Vancouver, the the bank of mom and dad, I think, is is a lot less of a necessity. But if you need to to subsidize that down payment, uh, a quick injection of funds from the bank of mom and dad, uh, it, it can really save you uh, precious time and and money in in actually trying to uh, break into those uh, more unaffordable markets.
1: Has that been one of the the, the challenges for first time home buyers? Is that they have unrealistic expectations as to what they should be able to afford? I always say, Craig, that nostalgia is very dangerous when it comes to money. You know, going back to, well, my parents used to be able to afford this home on one salary in, in this city back in the 1980s is not very uh, useful for someone who is trying to buy a home today uh, in the current market. But how has that, uh, you know, ha- have have you, have first time home buyers been realistic about the kinds of homes that they they can't afford?
0: Yeah, that, that realistic mindset, I think uh, that, that fear of missing out mindset um, is, is prevalent these days, especially when, like you mentioned off the top, you do see your your friends able to afford maybe bigger homes uh, and and uh, things that they wouldn't have been able to do on their own, that that FOMO feeling really creeps in. Um, it is important to remember that uh, we have seen a very rapid run-up in home prices over the past 20 or so years, but there's nothing to say that uh, we are definitely going to to see that same kind of appreciation in the decades to come. I've been speaking to uh, financial advisors for this story on GlobalNews.ca, and, and what they're saying is that you know there are ways to be a wealthy renter, if you will. Uh, you do not have to uh, look at a home as your only hope of financial uh, comfort and salvation. Uh, you can very uh, shrewdly uh, plan your 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 financials. Uh, into retirement as a renter be maybe be a bit more aggressive with the money that you have on hand and maybe keep it even a little bit more liquid than you would if you had it tied up in the housing market you can maybe make uh, a few more plays and and access that capital that you are earning a little bit more readily if you uh for example have it in an tfsa and and not uh, locked up in a home that may or may not appreciate to the degree that you are hoping for ahead of retirement so one thing to keep in mind not all is lost if uh, ultimately you don't find a way into a housing market in the particular market that you're living in or working in.
1: I read a lot of personal finance books, and that's basically the the message in Ramit Sethi's book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. He now has a, a program on Netflix, uh, I think called I Will Teach You to Be Rich as well, um, uh, or I Will Make You Rich or whatever it is, something about being rich um, that, you know, he does not believe in home ownership. He really does believe that the way to accumulate wealth is to rent your home and to invest your money in other places, not in in your primary residence. So I think that for somebody who feels stuck that, you know, reading a book like that, I have absolutely no uh, affiliation with this book whatsoever, but, you know, reading a book like that and getting encouragement as to other ways that you can build your wealth uh, can be, uh, can, can take a lot of pressure off. Cause I think that, that Canadian home ownership dream uh, can sometimes put real unrealistic pressures on Young people, especially, who are saddled with so many other financial problems, including student debt, uh, that, the, that, they, that they are dealing with. Um, if you, you know, speaking about renters, and, and you spoke to a financial planner about that, what are ways that if you are renting and say you do have a dream to one day own a home, uh, that you can just be better with your money so that you are working towards that goal?
0: Yeah, so uh, apologies if, if folks listening to this have heard it before, but it really is getting down to the basics, looking at your monthly cash flow, looking for essentially those recurring expenses, you know, those subscriptions uh, and areas you can cut down. Maybe you're ordering out a little bit more than uh, is, is financially stable for you if you're trying to put away more and more for a down payment, and then eventually that extra cost of owning a home to to prepare for those maintenance costs, uh, those property taxes that you will be saddled with if you do enter the housing market. One thing I will point to, if people are trying to, to find the right tool to get ahead, The first time home buyer savings account, the FHSA that was introduced this year, uh, is really the preferred tool uh, of a lot of financial planners that I've been speaking to. Uh, You can put in $8,000 a year uh, if you're saving with a partner, they can do so as well. And that money can be tax free on the way in, tax free on the way out and invested for however long you are saving for that uh, that, uh, eventual down payment. I will offer as well a little bit of caution about the FHSA, which is that the money that is going into that account can only be used. Or the purchase of your first home. When people are saving uh, over the, the, you know, two, three, four, five years for that home, you're probably going to want access to other savings in 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 case of uh, uh, other savings goals, like a, a vacation or or what have you, uh, you need to be careful if you're putting that money in there, it's only going towards the purchase of a first home. Don't forget about your TFSAs and then saving for retirement with the RRSP. Uh, those are, are investment vehicles you shouldn't forget about because they can have a little bit more flexibility built into their, their uses.
1: Yeah, you can't use that money to to have a, a you know a very expensive wedding or something that maybe five six years from now becomes a priority. Um, it has to be used towards a, a down payment on your home. Um, for for first time home buyers who uh, who don't have any financial support, whether it be from their mom or dad or grandparents or anywhere else, uh, they're really doing it on their own. Um, is there is there some value in them uh, waiting, uh, especially now with interest rates, the you know, being so high, the housing market still being quite unstable um, because there are these other variables that could affect their investment? Uh, what would be your advice for somebody uh, who's really nervous about getting in because they are doing it all by themselves?
0: Yeah, that's the tricky thing, right? Yeah. Um... You can't really have confidence in timing the market. We've seen the market cool down quite a bit uh, so far uh, this year, uh, but there's no guarantees about what happens in 2024. I've been speaking to people over the past few days giving me their forecasts, and some have said uh, things are going to explode when we hit the spring housing market and uh, buyers are going to be very active, so get ready to launch. Uh, and others are saying, you know, we we might see we might have further yet to fall. So uh, there are uh, no surefire ways again to to time the market. Uh, you need to uh, really evaluate your own personal uh, needs. Uh, try to maybe tune out if you can some of that noise about where interest rates are going who's saying now is definitely a good time to buy or now is definitely a good time to wait uh, because if anyone's offering you certainty, uh, they're probably not uh, having your best interest in heart and are just trying to direct your money uh, to where it benefits them. So uh, if you can find a reliable financial planner, who can uh, speak to you about your personal goals uh, and and talk about what's realistic for you in the next you know three, four, five years. home ownership may be in the cards. it may not be uh, and you can start to look at other ways to maximize the savings that you do have if home ownership is uh, essentially uh, not not part of your your game plan in the the years to come.
1: We're speaking to Global News' Craig Lord. He's the author of Homeschool, uh, talking about uh, how those who don't have uh, a financial boost from their parents, for example, uh, to buy their first home can do it on their own. Uh, sort of flipping the script a little bit, if you are getting uh, influx of cash from your mom and dad or from your grandparents, maybe an inheritance or money from other sources than just your income, uh, what should homebuyers be aware, aware of? Um, uh, because they may be making a purchase that is beyond their means because there are so many things involved uh, when you buy a house.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing to keep in mind is that just because you were able to afford the upfront purchase doesn't mean you're in the clear suddenly. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the, the expenses of, of owning your home tend to be a little bit higher than when you're just renting because all of those things that your landlord might have taken care of now fall to you. Maintenance costs, uh, property taxes, uh, furnishing that home. If you have a little bit more space, it, it's going to add up over time. So um One of the things uh, a financial planner I spoke to this week uh, recommended was to test drive home ownership. If you can set up maybe a high interest savings account and start to put aside those anticipated extra costs that will come with uh, actually owning a home before you make the commitment to put that money down and enter the housing market. Uh, That'll help give you a sense. Uh, There are many calculators and prequalification tools uh, out there that you can take advantage of to to get a sense of what those expenses are and then decide, okay, is this actually the lifestyle that I want? Can I make the cuts that make this possible? And will that make me happier? Will that make me, will that get me closer to my, my long-term goals? The answer might be no. Uh, so so decide uh, before you put down uh, the money and, and decide whether maybe that gift from a, a parent or grandparent could be uh, put towards uh, some other fruitful endeavors, be they on the market or uh, in the housing market itself.
1: I, I think that is very good advice, but I hardly think anybody would actually follow it uh, from the financial planner that it came from. It would be very difficult for someone to say, oh, I'm going to pretend there's a gas bill coming through now and, and put this money away. But I think that that is a good way of at least looking at it. Um, uh, when you are buying a home, base your home purchase on your salary and your ability to manage that home, not on you know that hundred or $200,000 gift if you're lucky enough to get at it um, because that is putting you in a different home uh, with higher taxes, higher utility costs, higher running costs. And um, that has to come from somewhere and it's going to come from your paycheck. Uh, Craig, thank you so much uh, for joining us today and getting us up to date on uh, what we can read on homeschool this month. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much, Rubina.
1: That is Global News' Craig Lord. He will be on the program later this month to talk about some things that he has been uh, watching for 2024 and also some of the big stories that he resonated with him for 2023. So watch out for that in the weeks ahead. Uh, But this week, you can read the latest issue of Homeschool on globalnews.ca, talking about all the ways you can buy a house without getting that help from your parents. I'm Rubina Ahmed-Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding
0: a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina ahmed Haq.
1: I wanted to pick up on that gift card scam conversation that I had at the beginning of the program because there are ways that you can avoid getting scammed. Some of them I have already mentioned, but one of the ones that I think is really important is to make sure that you're buying from a reputable place. Now, that may seem obvious, but there are some places that are selling discount uh, gift cards that you can buy. So there are some that are completely legitimate, but you need to do your research to make sure that you are actually buying from a legitimate place. Now these are places that resell gift cards that you have received that you are not going to be used using. So they buy them from you at a discount and then they sell them for a small profit uh, onwards. So the gift card is completely legitimate, uh, but you got to make sure that you're dealing with a site that also is legitimate uh, too. Um, as well, if you are going to be giving a gift card, just check in on that person. Uh, to make sure that the gift card worked. I know a little while ago I bought gift cards for a coffee shop and I gave them out and a few of them didn't work. And if my friends hadn't told me, I never would have thought anything. And sometimes it can feel a little bit embarrassing to bring that up. Like, hey, you gave me a gift card and it actually had a zero balance. Um, so you don't want to accuse the person of giving you a, a blank gift card. But I definitely think that you should let that person know because they have the ability to show their credit card statement or however it, else, however it is that they paid to make sure that you know uh, that uh, that uh, that they did give you a gift and that that you're letting them know that uh, that gift card didn't work. So that's just some ways of just safeguarding yourself. So when you give that present, say when you use it, if there's any issues, please let me know because there have been so many scams with gift cards and I want to make sure that, um, that this card has uh, the gift on it that I meant to give to you. So just a couple of things to bear in mind uh, when you are out there um, giving gift cards this year, some conversations that you can have with the people that you are gifting them to, and also uh, making sure that uh, that they let you know if there's a problem. Another thing that is worth mentioning is a lot of us um, uh, collect loyalty points and reward points. And sometimes uh, they, the loyalty points or reward points company will email you and say, hey, we've got a gift card to this one store um, that you can buy on a discount. So if you use this many points, we'll send you this kind of card. And you may think, hey, that's a pretty good deal because it took me this long to gather these points, but I'm actually getting a way more valuable gift card. Those have also been found to be scams sometimes. So make sure that that email promotional offer that you are getting is coming from that legitimate store. The best way is to go backwards, is to go back to the website rather than clicking on the website they gave you to see if that promotion is being offered. If it's not, maybe you could call them. Maybe it's an email promotion. Um, that's why it's not being read, it's not readily available there. It's still maybe legitimate, but just make sure you get somebody that you contacted rather. Than Them than them contacting you. Uh, Before we go, I wanted to talk a little bit about fast fashion because at this time we are buying a lot of stuff for our friends and family. And a lot of that stuff does come from stores where um, the clothing is considered fast fashion. I don't need to mention the brands. We all know what they are. And recently I actually read one of the bigger retailers in the world, uh, their clothing, there was a study done on it where their clothing is only meant to last a couple of washes. So when you're buying this, these these pieces of clothing, these articles of clothing, um, even if you take care of it, the material is not built to last. So no matter what you do, as soon as you wash it a few times, it's going to be in a situation where it will be unwearable because it will lose shape or it'll get... Uh, pilly or whatever it's going to happen to it so be aware that sometimes it's stacked against you even if you're being conscious and wearing something over and over again some of those things are not built to last Um, so you know rather than buying fast fashion really think about uh, quality items that can be worn for a long time Uh, some of you may know that i have a new year's resolution this year i'm going to talk about it more uh later uh as we get closer to new year's but uh, for those of you who don't know my new year's resolution this year is to not, not buy anything with a name brand on it so no name brands for rubina this year next year and for 2024. And uh, part of that is my shift in thinking. Like, I just don't want to be a part of fast fashion. I want to buy things that are quality, that are built to last, and that do not advertise another company. So really think about that when you're out there buying things, because they may be cheap and cheerful, but they also might be really bad for the environment, and they uh, may not last the person very long that you are buying them for. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. A fantastic conversation with Yannick uh, LeMay from H&R Block talking about the new program that's going to help individuals who don't have dental insurance get access that they need. Um, it's going to roll out uh, throughout next year and into 2025. So it's not immediate, but something to be aware of. File your taxes. You don't qualify unless, for the benefit unless you file your taxes. So that's just another uh, reminder to, to get you know your taxes together. Uh, you've got lots of time, but start getting them together in the new year. And also speaking to Craig Lord uh, about things to think about if you don't have help from the bank of mom and dad to buy your first home, um, how you can go about making that purchase because it is overwhelming to do it on your own, especially in this market. Um, And some great tips there on how to make it happen or maybe just wait and rent and, as he said, become a wealthy renter. You can still find ways that you can build wealth without actually owning your home. I want to thank you all for listening today. I hope that you are not getting too stressed out during the holiday season. This can really uh, get people down, you know, just all the things that need to get done. Just take some time for yourself. Um, my best advice is uh, try to cut back on all the things that you agree to. So say no to some things that actually feels quite liberating to be like, I'm not going there. I'm not spending that money. I'm not going to pay for that. I'm going to stay home and eat the food that I have in my fridge and just relax. I think that will save you money and stress during the holiday season. Uh, I will see you here next week, same time, same place. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.